And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network post-game edition. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Wynn. And the Raiders are, uh, they're alive, baby. They are alive and well in the playoff hunt. They're going to go into week 18 with a win in their in scenario. If they beat the Chargers in week 18, and we should find out shortly by the time you guys are listening to this, we'll probably know when exactly that game is. There's a chance it could get moved to Saturday. It could be the Sunday night game. But when the Raiders host the Chargers at Allegiant Stadium on in week 18, if they win, they are going to the playoffs for the first time. Since 2016, uh, we'll get into the the small scenarios that are available to them. If they do lose, there is a small chance they could still sneak in. But they beat the Colts 23-20 to on a game-winning field goal by Daniel Carlson. And this was a team that, guys, we all buried them after they lost 48-9. to Rightfully buried them. 48-9 to loss to the Chiefs in Week 14. And we said, after that, there's no way in hell they can go and, and beat three other teams that are in the playoff mix. Uh, the Browns, the Broncos, the Colts, but they've done it, and here they are, Week 18. They're alive. You can't say we rightfully buried them because they're, they're obviously they weren't dead, so we did a bad thing. <laughs> we, we were wrong to bury them because they're obviously they spit out some dirt and they're, they're back at it. But we uh, watched the Blues 48 to nine. But but yeah, right. but we, we were too. Ne- we're always too negative. All you guys, all you guys, especially me, a little bit too. But uh, we're all too negative. But we buried them. But they won three games in a row by a combined what nine points. And like they say, just win. Today was uh, a really weird game. I mean, uh, it could have been uh, not as close if not for that lucky pass that Carson Wentz threw up for grabs and got tipped uh, when Hayward and, uh, and Mary collided and Hilton caught it. But um, it was an ugly you know, sequence for their end of the first half and the start of the second half. But uh, like uh, Basachi said, they didn't blink. They kind of kept at it. And then Derek Carr is pretty good in the final two minutes, and they won. And they're still alive. Yeah, I think they deserve a lot of credit just for, you know, making it to be in this position. I mean, uh, even before, like, the Chiefs lost, like, earlier, like, you know, I mean, it's basically as soon as, you know, John Gruden resigned, I mean, I think a lot of us are kind of like, you know, I mean, most teams, when when, it, when you have something like that happen um, and lose somebody that had as much of an imprint on the roster and the franchise as, as Gruden did, you think the season is probably over. And then, obviously, all the other things that happened in between that and then, you know, all these win streaks and losing streaks and up and down. And so, uh, obviously... They're not easing up yet. You know, they, they still have to go out and or most most likely they do have to go out and, and beat the Chargers um, in order to make the playoffs. 
um, so they can't celebrate for too long. But I don't think many people will probably would have picked them um, be in the situation, whether it was a few weeks back or, or a few months back. So Vic, the big question for you is, do you want to get your singing out of the way early in the show? Do you want to save it for the end of the show? You promised the listeners that if they went to Indianapolis and beat the Colts, you'd sing for them. So uh, do you want to save it? Do you want to get it out of the way? What do you want to do here? Yeah, it's such a treat. I always save it for the end because I know they're really dying to hear me sing. So we'll wait till the end and I can really uh, wow them with my with my pipes. So you get warmed up. It'll be like the Daniel Carlson Yeah, I get, I get the voice going. The I'll, I'll talk some more, get the voice going, and we'll... Uh, I'm not got some uh, some DM work for you guys. I mean, so when you look at this game, I mean, they hold the the Colts to that field goal, and, and Vic, you know, you tweeted about it that what were the Colts doing there, right? It, it looked like you know they were almost settling for kind of tying the game up there, um, which was a surprising move because for all the crap that Derek Carr takes from this fan base, when the Raiders got the ball back, 156 three timeouts. I was basically chalking up the win. I mean, I, that's how good Derek Carr typically is in those situations. You give him a tie ball game, plenty of time, timeouts. I pretty much figured the Raiders were going to win at that point. Yeah, I think even his brother tweeted out that it's time for another walk in the park down the field, which uh, I give you know, David a hard time. But uh, he was right. I mean, Derek Carr definitely has money. And I thought, I don't know if the, if the Colts didn't have a lot of confidence in Wentz today because the odds didn't look very good. But I thought some of the play calls there at the end were kind of very conservative. I thought they didn't really take a chance to, to win the game. They were kind of just playing it safe and it wound up costing them the game. So uh, I guess they had a little more rope to play with than the Raiders did. They weren't in a you know win or, or, or die kind of mode. But still, I thought they gave the Raiders some chances there. You know, it was weird because there was a point there where the Raiders looked like they were in dire straits. And I was kind of wondering, who's going to make a play? And I thought Ngakwe stepped up had a big pressure on a third down. Uh, Jalen Richard, a big play, a uh, catch and run, make a first down on that the, the drive before that one, but I thought guys stepped up and definitely, uh, yeah, Derek Carr, he's very reliable in those situations. He just he definitely has a different kind of mentality. We mentioned the Kobe thing he always does, but he really does. He, he definitely is better uh, in those late game situations than he is most of the game. I think the game turning kind of play really for the Colts was Carson Wentz missing T.Y. Hilton somehow. I still like watching that live. I could just see him screaming wide open. I'm like, oh, that's a touchdown. And <laughs> Wentz just like, I don't know what the, I have no idea what happened. Like, like there were so many Wentz throws today. It was just like, what is he doing? Like the touchdown was a terrible throw. That was a terrible throw. So I think Carson Wentz obviously was the biggest thing holding the Colts back today. But obviously, you know, you still got to give the, the Raiders defense with guys like Casey Hayward, Denzel Perriman, Darius Phylon. Not being able to practice all week, having COVID this week. I mean, Denzel Perriman at the game said he could hardly breathe at times. And I think they came out overall um, as a defense and played pretty well from start to, to finish. The offense had its highs and lows, which has, you know, become the case on a normal basis since the bye week. But, but once again, you know, the defense was was pretty consistent from start to finish, I thought. Yeah, I think that's a difference between um, this year's team and, and the last year's team when they really failed down the stretch. Is this, this year's team, they could play some defense. You know, the offense wasn't great today. You know, there's times where you were wondering, like, how these guys are going to score because it was so tough moving the ball. But, you know, the defense kept them in it. And I think for the most part, they played Jonathan Taylor pretty well. I think there were a few drives where they gave some big runs. But other than that, they, you know, I, I thought they, they contained him pretty pretty well. And when you put the hands in, uh, the game in the hands of Carson Wentz, he, he's going to make some mistakes. And, he, you know, he, he made some major mistakes and didn't pay for one with the interception. But right now, he's just not the guy that's going to be able to uh, win you a game. Yeah, first time the Colts have lost this season when Jonathan Taylor went over 100 yards. But it was one of those games where he went over 100 yards, but he didn't dominate. I mean, he had some nice runs. He had some nice stretches. But he looked for a while like he might take over this game, but he didn't. You know, and this game, it really was like 
a game that kind of encapsulated the whole Raiders season, right? I mean, they got off to a good start. Here they are. They have that, what is it, 10-3 lead. They're driving. They've got that third and one. Mariota's in. They're probably, even if they don't go for it, they're going to, even if they don't convert, they're going to go for it on fourth down. And then they get the false start by Leatherwood. They get the sack by Carr. Suddenly they're kicking a field goal. They're going up 13-3. And you're just kind of looking like, well, the Colts are going to get the ball back. We know they get the ball to start the second half. Really important time to get a to get a defensive stop here, and they go in full prevent mode. The the Colts just march down, easy touchdown drive. Colts get the ball to start the second half, get the miracle play where T.Y. Hilton catches that pass after goes off of uh, Hayward and Merrick. And at that point, you just you're kind of like as the Raiders, you're just like. You could almost see stuff like that coming just because that's the kind of stuff that has doomed the Raiders for so many years. But to be able to overcome that, that 14 nothing run there, and be able to get a win just shows that, you know, Derek Carr was right, I guess, when he kept telling us this team is built different. You know, it just kind of felt like, you know, things were crumbling there for him, uh, especially after the, the Carr interception just because it was such a, a bad pick, just throwing it over the middle like that. And uh, Darius Leonard went it the whole way. and. Um, you know, as, as Ted said, that's where the defense showed that I think last year, you know, especially like the defense is definitely getting ate up by Jonathan Taylor, giving up another touchdown and, and this game is probably over. But whether it's on the field or off the field stuff, that this team has been pretty resilient and able to bounce back. You know, and that's why it sounds kind of like coach speak and cliche when, you know, Basachi really drills in that, that their effort is their most important thing. But I think that's important. You know, the guys never really give up. You know, they still, you know, they still might lose, like, against the Chiefs game, uh, for example. They, they still might get destroyed by certain teams, depending on what, on what happens. But that's football. Um, I, I think it's more about, you know, the work ethic and, and, and what they see. Because we're not around these guys every day and, and, you know, see all those things and, and kind of the content of their character. And so, you know, I, I think Hunter Renfro did put in a good way today where he was like, you know, he, he understands that, you know, you can say all those things as a player or as a coach. But, you know, you have to go out and validate it for, for people to really take it seriously and, you um, during this three-game winning streak, they, they've shown that. I think Carr's taking more chances this year because of the defense. He has that faith in his defense. They can actually you know, pick up form and, and make a stand, give him the ball back. So I think those throws today, the one a lot pass, obviously is a bad pass. Those, those are plays he's trying to take a chance on a big play, hoping the receiver can make a play on the ball, at least knock it down if it's not where he wants it to be. And another one was a terrible pass across his body where he kind of told afterwards, he said, the kids, don't throw across your body because it's uh, a teaching moment. But those are plays he's, he's trying to make a play. He's trying to extend plays and other things he probably wouldn't do in the past. But I think it's probably a good sign that he's doing that because when they work, they can definitely be you know game breakers or not. Defense can make a play and kind of get his back. So I think we're seeing him take more chances, which I think is a positive step uh, for their chances to win you know, o- overall. Yeah, I mean, it really is amazing when you think about this defense. You know, last year we had some fun after the after the season. We did our State of the Nation awards, and we voted our Defensive Player of the Year was Nicholas Morrow. And it was really just like a, a by default, got to pick somebody. He had a solid year. Okay, let's go with him. I mean, when you look at this defense, I mean, there are four guys I can easily vote for. You know, Denzel Perryman, Max Crosby, the two Pro Bowlers, you know, and then Yannick Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, both are guys that have had impactful seasons. I mean, they've got guys that just are able to make plays. 
And, you know, last year we know, uh, well documented that Max Crosby dealt with a lot of injuries and he kind of overcame a lot of stuff and it just didn't quite have as good of a year as he had had as a rookie. And so really he's kind of just being back to his normal self and this is his best self really. And then adding in Ngakwe and Hayward and what they've got at Perryman. I mean, Perryman is just, you can't underestimate how, how impactful that trade for what they'd give up, like a swap, a couple late round picks to find playmakers like they have. It's really been remarkable. And they all have confidence in Gus. And Gus Bradley's been a huge addition. I know there's moments where we all kind of shake our heads with the two Chiefs games and end of the first half today where they kind of went soft. But overall, he's done a great job of giving guys confidence in what their roles are. He's plugged guys in a lot of injuries. Like today, and again, Jonathan Hankins, probably their best run stopper. He's missed two games now in a row. And they've kind of filled in for him pretty well. So I think um, a lot of confidence that the players have in Gus Bradley. And vice versa, the confidence he has – and these guys, even the filling guys, it's really kind of showed when they bounce back and make plays and they kind of uh, you know, respond to you know, to adversity and, and kind of get a win to like, like today. Yeah, I mean, and you think about the additions we're talking about. You know, uh, Yannick Ngakwe is a guy they may have gone after, whether or not Gus Bradley was in the building or not. But, I mean, they don't bring in Casey Hayward. They don't bring in Darius Phylon. They don't bring in Denzel Perryman if it's not for Gus. Yeah, Gus's guys. I mean, it was kind of funny or a joke kind of coming into the season. Like, we were especially... You know, some guys, you know, the older guys like Casey Hayward, it's like, yeah, these guys, you know, really good. It's just familiar, but um, it, it's worked out for them. And I know the defense, you know, in terms of like points per game or scoring efficiency, like it, it may not look that great in the, in the overall rankings, but just actually watching the game and going past the stats is obviously a, a much better defense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, on the offensive side, uh, I mean, you can't say enough about what Hunter Renfro has brought to this team. Goes over a thousand yards on the season, almost had two touchdowns, and was actually a good thing. I, you know, I my, my immediate reaction on that play where it looked like he might have scored that touchdown in the final minute was that I thought he had been touched, and, and like Hunter, Hunter was like, "Yeah, I'm glad." You know, I thought it was a good thing because, you know. Yeah, you take the touchdown lead with 48 seconds to go. You're probably in pretty good shape with what your defense has done. But I think you'd, you you always would much rather, especially when the game is tied, you know, just go ahead and set yourself up for a chip shot 
at the buzzer field goal that you've got a kicker who probably should be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, I like their chances there. And I mean, just a hell of a game by Hunter Renfro. I mean, obviously that play was so clutch from from him and Carr and, and certainly catching the touchdown on fourth down. Um, I mean, what he's meant to this offense this season, especially with Darren Waller now missing the last five games. Um, I mean, he's been he's been their offensive MVP. Yeah, and you can see the trust that he has in Derek and vice versa. They know, like, you know, when the play breaks down, he knows where to go and he knows where Derek's to look for him to go. And kind of uh, both those plays, say the touchdown and also the fourth down play, but kind of just plays where you know they spent a lot of time in the practice field together, working on stuff, talking about stuff. I think after the game, Hunter mentioned their Xbox buddies. They, they do a lot of Xbox and playing games and video games and even football video stuff. So it all is kind of – they know what the other guy's thinking. So I think that's a huge thing for the quarterback and receiver trust. And even the other guy, Zay Jones, the other guy who spent a lot of time with Derek on the practice fields and in the offseason. I think it was his first 100-yard day of his, of his career. So, again, familiarity definitely means a lot in talking about a quarterback and, and his receivers. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, something that you know we, we had talked about, you know, as of late, they kind of struggle with their receivers um, being able to get open downfield and not being able to separate quickly. And I think something that helped them today, uh, both both Hunter and, and Zay, Zay in particular, is, you know, Carr was was using his legs a lot more, uh, whether it came to actually escaping the pocket, um, just buying more time, moving around inside the pocket. A lot of times we see him like he's looking downfield, he's just standing still and like holding it and ends up getting run into by somebody or sacked or loses the ball or things like that. And he just seemed a lot more. I'm sure he's always aware of the pocket. I don't know if that's the right word, but it seemed like he was more active in the pocket today. And, you know, whether it was the touchdown throw or, or that final throw to Renfro where he was just getting pressured by a linebacker who had broken free and made a miss, stepped up and, and kept his eyes downfield the whole time and, and made a throw while he was getting hit. I think that's something that Carr gets criticized pretty often. That's the thing. People think every sack almost with Derek Carr that he could have escaped it if he had just run or something like that. But uh, it comes with risk. Obviously, there's probably a reason why he doesn't do it. I think one, one of those interceptions that he had, uh, the one thrown across his body, he was also on the run then. So you do kind of open the door for that kind of stuff to happen. But I think that if this is going to be the end result, I think fans will obviously take the deal with the bat. They didn't really establish the running game, but at least they established the threat of the running game early on. They ran the ball enough early on where the Colts had to respect it, at least. I mean, the offensive line's gotten a little better the last few weeks. Josh Jacobs was running a little bit harder, whatever the reason. So I think they definitely showed enough there early on where the Colts couldn't just, like, sit back and, and kind of pick apart the passing game. So I think that was also a key part of, of today's uh, result. Yeah, I think part of the run, like, because they were running it at a pretty decent rate in the first quarter, and then Josh Jacobs uh, had that rib injury. I didn't quite see what happened on the play, but I saw him getting him slow after it. And really throughout the rest of the game, they were kind of mixing him in with Peyton Barber, and he never really looked that way again. And so I don't know if today was so much an issue of, like, the run blocking not being as good as it was or, or just Jacobs being injured. But I would imagine since he finished, he's probably okay moving forward if they can get back to having you know what they had against the broncos with kind of having both the run and the pass game clicking that it'll be pretty big for them going into this this obviously the biggest game of the season i, mean, I thought they ran the ball um, pretty decently because i mean if you look at the numbers the colts are uh, you know a top three run defense and for them to get you know some consistent yardage uh, on runs early on I, I thought was a huge key in this game to you know keeping the defense honest and i don't know how many uh plus four plus five runs jacobs has but had in this game but it was something we definitely didn't see before the Broncos game. So that, that, that was a pretty big key um, in this game to be able to get the run game going. And that's going to be huge against the, the Chargers who have the worst run defense in the league if they could run the ball um, like they, they have in the past couple of weeks. 
Yeah, you know, no big runs on Sunday. Um, nine yards is the longest run. Uh, Jacobs had a nine-yarder. Mariota, who they obviously really kind of dove into the Mariota package a little bit, even let him throw a pass. Uh, Jacobs had averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Um, the kind of the team-wide average was uh, was shot down by Peyton Barber getting only three yards on his six carries. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, they, they were able to establish a threat, and they're going up against a team next week that – does not do a good job of, of slowing down that run. Um, it's I mean, it's going to be an exciting game. And, I mean, I think the fun thing, if, if you're a Raiders fan, you've got a game at home. For the first time really ever, the Raiders have their own building. You know, they, they've, you look at all their Bay Area years, they, they never had their true building. Here they have their own building. And they're facing a team that is not going to invade their home field with a, a bunch of visiting fans. I, I don't, you know, we, we talk about the Chargers are, are a team that – their home games are filled with visiting fans. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Charger fans showing up in Vegas for this one. Sets up really for to be a, a truly exciting Week 18 game where the Raiders, with a real home field advantage, uh, have a chance to put themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of coming off of the Broncos game, I think it was Derek Carr that said this. It was like the first one that really felt like a true home game, and I agree with him. Like, there weren't uh, – there are always going to be some opposing fans in, in Vegas, but – the crowd wasn't loud when the offense <laughs> was just trying to make things happen. They were they were really loud on defense, and so I imagine they're going to be. In, I'm sure a lot of people are going to travel for this game. Um, whenever we find out when it's being played, but uh, yeah, I mean it's, it doesn't really get you know bigger than this uh, when, it, when it comes to the Raiders. I mean the, the opportunity to make the playoffs for the first time in, in half a decade, or, or to guarantee it if they do get the win. Obviously, as we keep saying, I'm sure we, we should probably get into this now with. You know, there are there is a chance that they do lose that they could still make it in. But knowing for sure, just going out and so fans don't have to stress going out and getting it done uh, with the win would obviously be huge. Uh, you know, not having to travel um, and having that situation with them, you know, kind of having that the, the COVID uh, situation. Maybe some of the guys that they were without this week, maybe they would have had them if they didn't have to hop on the plane and, and travel to their destination. So especially with all that kind of going on, it, it sets up well um, for them to be at home for this one. Yeah, so we'll lay down the, the scenario where they can lose and still get in, and it's not one that you're gonna that you're gonna be able to count on too much. It would require the Steelers to lose either Monday they play the Browns, or for them to lose in in Week 18, you need them to lose one of their final two games, and then it requires the Colts to lose to the Jaguars. So that's pretty much why you don't even consider the the possibility of making the playoffs if you lose because. I mean, the Colts could lose to the Jags, but uh, the Jags, what, lost, what was it, 50-3, to three, I think, to the uh, last I saw to the, to the Patriots on Sunday. So it's win and get in, it's lose and go home in all likelihood. Yeah, and you got, you got Derek Carr playing for his, will be his first career playoff appearance. Remember, he was hurt the last time they were in the playoffs, 2016. So, you know, that's on his mind. Knock on wood. I mean, knock on wood. And they're probably playing... They're probably playing for uh, you know Rich Passaccia's job and Mike maybe Mike Maddox's job. I mean, you have to imagine to make the playoffs. I would think those guys probably come back. I mean, I, I don't know what Mark Davis is really thinking about that, but uh, based on the momentum and the way that they play hard for Rich, you got to believe that's definitely a factor that um, something got to really think about. But uh, a lot on the line on uh, next week, and it'll be fun and fun to to be there. And what was it? Three days ago, four days ago, we were taking questions about why the Raiders weren't lining up their uh, their interviews yet, and now they're they're playing for Basaccia's job. Uh, it's funny how like simple it's gotten. I mean, that you know, to to be one win, I you know, one win away from a potential playoff berth, but that's where they're at. Hey man, God bless Carson Wentz. God bless Drew Locke. God bless Nick Mullins. Now, see, that's too negative. I'm being negative again. Raiders definitely. Uh, have won three in a row. They haven't. The other teams haven't lost. Raiders have won three in a row. 
Yeah, and I mean, they're catching a, a Chargers team that I know they, they won today, but they haven't looked as impressive as I think they the Chargers were, were kind of hitting that stride the first time they played the Raiders. Obviously, they were also at home, but I think that's a different Chargers team than the one we're sitting, seeing right now. They seem a lot more vulnerable. So it's kind of good timing for the Raiders to, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy game or anything like that, but it, it's better timing than, than the first time around. Imagine the boost they get to Darren Waller back. I mean, I don't know what his status is, but it seems like he was making progress before the COVID stuff last week. And you got to believe he's had five weeks now. So I'm sure he wants to play. I'm sure he's he doesn't, get... he doesn't, he doesn't want to play for the Raiders again. He's not going to play again until uh, he gets a new uh, contract, right? Right. Uh, that's what, the Twitter, what everyone the, wants to believe. The Twitter, the Twitter people say that on Twitter. But yeah, so I mean, just imagine because uh, Foster Murrow is fine, but it's a different offense with Darren Waller in there. So that would be a huge addition, I think, getting back this, this week. You ready to sing, Vic? <laughs> so uh, I'm always ready to sing, but uh, I think I sang what I think Doc is saying last time or years ago in London. You, you promised a specific song, didn't I you? I did, because Dion Warwick did like last yeah, week, okay, and yeah, you're yeah. talking about uh, my third grade, uh, my leading man chops back in the third grade. So we're going with uh, What the World Needs Now is Love. Win. The Raiders is, win. Is, is the Raiders win. I haven't had time to change the lyrics yet. I'm going to go with the, uh, the original lyrics. All right. No background music. I'm just going to go acapella. Maybe Brian could add in the uh, the music. No, don't do that. It'll, it'll sound even worse. This is going to be bad enough as it is. I'll, I'll own how bad it is. No alcohol before I'm singing. Usually I sing better with a couple drinks. But here we go. <clears throat> I'm going to cover up the screen so you guys don't look at me. I'm going to close my eyes, maybe. All right, here we go. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. I'm not singing the whole thing. I'm singing about three or four lines. <laughs> what the world <laughs> is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. We don't need what Darren Waller. There are Hunter Renfro's and Zay Jones's enough to throw to. That's it. I'm done. We'll do more. We'll do more next week. I'll take a different song if they win. I'll do it every week for you guys. We'll, I'll take requests. <laughs> Magnificent. Oh, that was tremendous. Magnificent. Thank you, that guys. I appreciate tremendous. it. What the world needs now is the Raiders win. They are one win away from the playoffs. We'll, of course, be back later this week to break everything down, get you set for what biggest Raiders game since the 2016 playoff game. I, you know, I guess, although that game was so anticlimactic just because. You know, they were playing without Carr and, and kind of, you know, a team that, that had a lot of hopes. You know, they, they kind of lost those hopes once they lost Carr. So what, what do you think? Biggest Raiders game since? Well, wasn't there a game the, fall, the, last, the next year that was a, a down year? Wasn't there a game, though, they still had a chance in that game? They're still alive in the real year? I'll, I'll look back. There was a game where they still had their chances in that end of the two, 2017 when they lost. There was a year where there was like, you know, they went into the final two weeks where it was like 10 different things had to happen. And like in week 16, like five of them did. And so they went into to week 17 where like, okay, they said five remaining things that had to happen, but you know, they lost and all that, but biggest game since the Super Bowl. I'll say it. Wow. I'll declare it. Super Bowl. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they had one other week 17 game, right? That was win and get in. Yeah. I guess that was the Hugh Jackson. Uh, Hugh Jackson. Uh, well, there you go. That one. Uh, and, and Hugh Jackson, uh, Came afterwards and said, "Next year we're gonna change things up. I need more control. I need more power. <laughs> Do it my way." And he was fired uh, about two weeks later. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see what happens this time. Ah, uh, well, that'll set it up for a big Week 18 showdown. Feels so weird still to say Week 18, but uh, that's that's the new schedule here. 
So looking forward to getting you guys all set for Raiders Chargers next week and uh, appreciate you guys listening to our post-game edition of State of the Nation. More music next week. Uh, every week we'll sing songs. We'll do it next week. We'll do all four of us sing together. It'll be great. Oh, oh. That was a big thing. It's a big thing. That's not really a big thing. I'm not sure how this happens. Because <laughs> you always just you put a mic in front of Vic and Vic starts singing. Put a mic. You put a mic and a drink. I think I had a few Vic. a few pops in London, and that's where the whole thing started. I had a few pops before I went on in London, and that's how this whole thing started. You, you sang, I mean, you sang on the bus in in Mexico. That's true. I'm, all right, all right, all right. Again, that, that was without that was without drinking. So. All right, all right. So here's the big thing. My bad. All right, guys. Have have a good week. Enjoy the uh, the huge drama of the week. The big uh, big suspenseful week coming up. Hey, better than dealing with uh, Antonio Brown uh, quitting in the middle of the game. Who was surprised by that, though? Who who really was surprised? <laughs> but apparently, he ran off the field. We saw, we saw that he ran off the field, took off his jersey, threw it, and he ran straight to the parking lot, wearing his no shirt and his jersey pants, and got in a car to the airport. Ah, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, whatever. He's just such a nut. But uh, I know people are worried about his own mental health, but still, whatever. All right. Raiders charges. Week 18. Should be fun. Later. Later. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.